Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, X-Pac is here to talk about his second induction into the WWE Hall of Fame. We've got TLC to recap, a huge weekend of wrestling across the board, and a whole lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh boy. Welcome folks. Happy Monday. Let's start this week, huh? Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. The franchise show. Yeah, buddy. Here we are. Hours removed from... TLC, we'll get into everything that happened uh, in TLC over in the state of wrestling. It was a huge weekend for wrestling. It started on Friday with SmackDown running head-to-head with Ring of Honor Final Battle. You had NWA Into the Fire. You had CZW Cage of Death. You had TLC all this weekend. That's one, two, three, four, five wrestling shows. Five big wrestling shows this weekend. All over the place. We'll get into all of them. I have thoughts. I think I have thoughts on literally every single show that I just mentioned, and I'll share those thoughts with you and a whole lot more. Uh, But today our guest is X-Pac. X-Pac is on Not Sam Wrestling. Now, for the last week, X-Pac has been a big topic of conversation. I posted over on the new YouTube page, youtube.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. I talked about... X-Pac going into the Hall of Fame as the fourth member of the NWO as well as Batista. That was what was announced a week ago that X-Pac, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan, the four members of the NWO are going in, uh, as well as Batista going into the Hall of Fame this year in April. Uh, And it drew more controversy than I thought it would. Not my comments on it, but in general. The reason I made comments on it and the reason why I posted a video about it over at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling, which I hope that you guys are subscribed to, uh, is that people thought that they they either they thought that there shouldn't be a third member, a fourth member of the NWO going into the Hall of Fame, which if that's your stance, that's fine. Or they thought that X-Pac was not the fourth member of the NWO. And while numerically you are right, and I call him X-Pac because I don't know, I guess that's just how I know him best. Sean Waltman, one, two, three, kid, kid, six Pac. However, you know, I'm not going to call a grown man kid, first of all. So I call him X-Pac, but Sean Waltman, you know what we're talking about. Um, No, I mean, numerically, he was not the fourth member of the NWO. But, you know, I think that the big show, who was the fourth member of the NWO, he was very important to that faction. However, I think that X-Pac, Sean Waltman, is more of a core member of that faction because of his connections with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash in the WWE. And, and I think that that was reflected 
in t-shirt sales. I think that, that was reflected in uh, his matches. I think that, that was just reflected in the fan reception that he had. You know, I, I think that he was a big part. Um, and uh, we talk about that. We talk about, uh, you know, what he's up to in his life right now. We talk. He's got a podcast, of course, Xbox One Two Three Sixty, and a lot more. But really, I mean, the topical reason to get him on the podcast is to talk about the fact that he's going into the Hall of Fame for a second year in a row, which is wild in and of itself. But in reality, I just wanted to get him on the podcast to talk about the NWO days. I was like, you know, it's kind of lame when you're just talking to Sean Waltman and you're like, hey, let's tell a whole bunch of stories from this one, from, you know, 1997. Because who wants to tell stories from 1997? It's 2020 almost. But... If you're going into the Hall of Fame, technically you can get away with that, just telling stories from 1997 in the context of its current day. So that was my real goal, was just to get Sean Waltman on the show and talk to him about the NWO. Because as the years go on, my affection for everything the NWO was, especially in that first year and a half maybe, just knows no bounds. Like... As a lifelong WWE diehard, diehard, I was never a WCW fan, never became a WCW fan. But there was a period of time, I was an ECW fan, I was a WWE diehard. I was kind of an ECW diehard, I ordered every pay-per-view, I went to the shows. I mean, I was a pretty big ECW fan, but WWE was my thing. And I looked at WCW as uh, scum. I looked at WCW. However WWE wanted me to look at WCW, that's how I did. When I watched WCW, I thought it was Billionaire Ted, the Huckster, and the Nacho Man. Macho Man Randy Savage was my favorite wrestler up until November of 1994? Was it 94 or 95? I want to say it was 94. Whatever the day was that he left WWE... He was my favorite wrestler until the night that I watched him at 6.05 p.m. walk on to WCW Saturday night. And I still watched it because, you know, wrestling's wrestling. Wrestling's awesome. But he broke my heart that day. You know who became my favorite wrestler after Macho Man showed up on WCW Saturday night? Big Daddy Cool Diesel. But you know who else was one of my favorite wrestlers? The 1-2-3 Kid. I was obsessed with 1-2-3 Kid. I was obsessed with 6-Pac. I, 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 I've never even told Sean Waltman this, but... At one point in my life, I did uh, make a tape to send to MTV to get on the show Fanatic, where regular people got to go and interview the celebrities they were fans of. And I saw Stone Cold on the show. A fan got to interview Stone Cold. So I said, well, if that fan gets to interview Stone Cold, I bet I'm the biggest six-pack fan in the world. I drew little, I drew sixes on my denim jacket with Sharpie. I was a big six guy. But I was a big one, two, three kid fan because I was a small kid I was a small guy and I said there is hope for me now unfortunately Sean Waltman was a small insanely athletic talented individual I was small but also unathletic and no discernible talent so wrestling wasn't in the cards for me regardless but for a brief moment in time the one two three kid and six buck made me feel like it was an option but I talk about being a WWE diehard and not being a WCW fan to say that at one point in time, the NWO was the coolest thing in wrestling. 
That's why to this day, you can wear an NWO logo and you're, you're the man, you know? If you see me, I'll post a video of this interview that I did with uh, X-Pac today, and you'll see I'm literally wearing my chalk line, white and black, NWO, te- NWO Hollywood, but technically, you know, I, I consider this the original NWO, my white and black NWO jacket. Because it's still so cool. You put an NWO logo something on it, I'm buying it. Ask the hundreds, I'm buying it. But I got to talk to him, Sean Waltman, that is, X-Pac, about, uh, about, the, about the NWO days. About what was going on back then, about what it's like to be going into the Hall of Fame, uh, representing that time, uh, and everything in between. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week on Not Sam Wrestling is the one and the only Sean Waltman. Let's hit it. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. One of my all-time favorite guests is back on the show and somebody who I'm happy to say is about to become, we found out a week ago, a two-time WWE Hall of Famer. X-Pac is back. What's going on, man? What's the haps? What's up, Sam? Hey, man. Um, you trim your beard. Well, yeah. Well, you know, the WWE has those maestros people come in. And so they took, yeah. like, uh, they because it was just getting, like, Bushman wild. And yeah. so, like, they trimmed it down on the sides and kind of let it grow longer. Like, at some point, I'm going to shave my head and I want to stand next to Hunter and just look like they put Hunter in a dryer. And, like, uh, here's me, you know? No, when you're eating, was, like, hair getting in your mouth while you were eating? Yeah. I mean, even to this day, like, you know, in the morning, I'll have, like, a green juice or something. And my wife has to stop me before I go out because she's like, you got smoothie in your mustache. I mean, I remember, yeah. I think, like, a year ago... Maybe less than a year ago, we talked. It might have been the last time you were on. And when we turned on the Skype, you were you said you were jealous of my beard. But I look at you now, and the growth has been tremendous in, I feel, like a very short time. Yeah. Um, and and a part, of the, part of it, I, I can uh, credit to you. You inspired me. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought, you know? You talk about childhood <laughs> dreams coming true. <laughs> like, that's... That's incredible. That's, well, as long as I can, as long as I can inspire people. Um, well, speaking of inspiring, man, I mean, I remember, like, not too long ago, a few years back. I think that you questioned ever getting into the Hall of Fame or 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 anything like that. I mean, there was a period of time where I feel like, and I don't know if you felt the same way that like. When WWE would uh, would put the spotlight on the NWO or DX or whoever it was, like X-Pac would not be at the forefront in reflecting on the story. Do you know what I mean? And yes. and it seems like everything has changed full circle in a positive way to better reflect what was actually happening in the, in in that era, the era of DX, and now you know the era of NWO. Yeah, and and it's it's not because it, you know it had to do with you know like all the things I did outside the ring. Yeah. After I, obviously, yeah. I mean we're not. It's like not. You know, just cut the cagles here. It's it's because of that, you right. know, and uh, and rightfully so. I mean, sort of. Yeah. I mean. I, yeah. I mean, it's it, not it, a history book. At the end of the day, it's yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean it didn't hurt, Sam. 
yeah to see to see yourself erased and the things you uh you did you know erased but you know i was i wasn't i wasn't out out there representing the industry very well right right yeah and that's a that's a big deal especially when people love finding the kind of disastrous results of people in the industry for whatever reason like people who don't like wrestling do not like talking about wrestling except when it's a horrible story of somebody yeah. gone wrong and they do they blame they blame the industry at that point as opposed to kind of digging into the actual human beings that this is happening to right and see i've you, i think i've talked about it with you even you know about you know the people blaming the industry and 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 it's not like the industry or the culture you know that uh, at least in the past you know didn't bear some blame but we bring like most of us that have had huge problems once we've gotten in the industry we brought bags with us we brought the baggage with us you know and uh and i i just think that that part of it has been overlooked so much. Yeah. 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 Just totally not even acknowledged. Yeah, I agree. Like, all, like, like, so everyone was, you know, totally like, you know, uh, like everyone came in with a clean slate and all the trauma and all the fucked up shit happened once they got into business. Usually not. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like it's unique to wrestling either. It's like the same thing that drives people to want to, be well-known, want to be famous, want to be in front of an audience, want, like, adulation and applause is the same thing that can lead a lot of people to take advantage of bad behavior when it's in front of their face. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's that's the personality type, right? But, sure. but yeah. Oh, yeah, because a, there's a thing, there's something to be said about attention. Yeah. Oh, like you, once you're used to the attention, Yeah. and then you don't have it anymore, you'll take it any way you can get it. Right. You know, for bad reasons or good reasons. Right, right. That makes sense. Well, I mean... Absolutely true, a percent. Yeah. The fact that you've come out of that to this extent, to the point where now... So, let's talk about it, because we talked a whole bunch in the last year. I think we talked before the Hall of Fame and after the Hall of Fame about going in as part of DX and what a like moment it was. You talked about, you know, how difficult it was and the stage fright and everything. But when you find out that you're going in again this year like you're it feels like you're just coming off of this high of going in with your best friends yes. only only to find out months later that you get to go in again this year with your other best friends Hall and Nash uh what was first of all when did you find out because for all of us to be finding out now is way earlier than usual uh, and we found out like three 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 weeks earlier uh-huh yeah, so we had to sit on that info for three weeks. Do you know why uh, they decided this year to go ahead and announce you guys and Batista early? Was it just like, hey, we're putting tickets on sale and we want... Yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, tickets, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they're like, you know, we got this Hall of Fame thing. I'd like to know what I'm buying tickets to. Um, how did you feel when you found out? They're like, we're putting the NWO in and you're going in. Did they tell you... These are the four. You're one. Of, we're putting four people in, and you're one of them. Or did they just say you're going in, and we'll we'll tell you who the rest of them are? No, I mean it was. Carano called me, and they, you know, I, 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 you heard me on my show, right? You listen to my show, of course. Day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, you, 
used to be you get a call from talent relations you know it's from talent relations it's mm. like oh fuck what did i do <laughs> it's so it's usually not great news right it's yeah like they want you to do something you don't want to do or you did something that they don't want you to do or <laughs> you know fine whatever and, and I, but i answered and, you know because i mean those days are, are long past so but it's still that trauma comes up whenever you see the phone. It's like, ah. Yeah, when that 203 but, area code pops up, you're like, ah. <laughs> no, but so I answered, and, and, and you know, Corona just told me, oh, you're going in the Hall of Fame again. And I, honestly, I started laughing. Because <laughs> how, how ridiculous. Like, okay, two years in a row? Yeah. Two times, but two years in a row? Yeah, I mean, is that like, because I was listening to you two on your show and you were in on X-Pac 12360, which is on YouTube and, and it's on, uh, you can get the audio of it on iTunes and everything else. All you have to do is type in X-Pac 12360. You can find it on the video on YouTube, the audio, everywhere you get podcasts. And you were saying uh, that, like, you, you kind of had this moment on your show where you had to take a pause because you couldn't believe your life, like how crazy yeah. it is that this is happening to you. Is there a part of you? Cause I know like for me, when good things happen, three quarters of me is like happy about it. And like, you know, I know I worked my ass off for this and blah, blah, blah. But then there's at least 25%, if not more, sometimes it's a lot more than 25% that's sitting there going, I don't deserve this. Like they're going to find, I don't, I shouldn't be here. This is ridiculous. But I mean, it's kind of that, but it's just like, it's, it's more, it's it's more how me out of billions of people necessarily than I don't deserve this. Right. You know, because there's a lot of people that do that don't get. Yeah. You know? And you're not just talking about the Hall of Fame. You're talking about the whole life. Yeah. Yeah, life. Man. Yeah. Like, forget the Hall of Fame. Just like any of these blessings. It's just insane to me. You know, like. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is nuts. And I mean, yeah, I feel like. That's what the second Hall of Fame induction will do to you. Like the second Hall of Fame induction is that moment where you're like, whoa. Like now you can yeah, really reflect on kind of everything and go, this is this is a crazy life. Yeah. Yeah. And just like the ups and downs of the like, you know, for a while there, um, you know, people were a hundred percent sure they knew how my story was gonna end. Yeah. You know, yeah. I pretty much, I kind of thought that's, that might be the case too. Yeah. So. I mean, I was about to say, I mean, at one point in your life, you were one of those people that knew how your life was going to, how your story was going to end. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, no, I'm blown away by all of it. And, uh, and I'm just, um, I, I don't know, man, now that like you and I are talking about this, it's just like, and cause I've already I said on my show, it's just like billions of people. Yeah, you know, and 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 just why us? Not yeah. just me, Sam. You, man, look at you. I you mean, have, yeah, you, you have your dream job. Yeah, you think about it, and it really is like you start thinking about it, and you're going, "There is no difference between me and that other person who wanted this." Like you start, you're like, "Yeah, I worked, but so did people work all the time. Like a lot of people work for this. Like, what is and, the thing that made you?" have this dream life that made this other person it just didn't happen is it because they quit too early is it because right place right time is it just 
all every single star has to align. I mean, part yeah. of it, look, you have to understand that for you, part of it is because you're a good person. Like you don't survive when you're talking about your story specifically, you don't survive everything that you went through without people throughout your life that have been like, no, 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 he's worth helping. Like there are plenty of people that are assholes that they just don't get the help because nobody wants to help them. They don't deserve it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I'm going to take your word for it. I don't go around saying, Hey, I'm a great person. I'm just, yeah. I, I feel, I feel I am now. Like I, my, you know, my, my, the way I view myself is a lot different now. You know, I mean, I know I'm still flawed, but I feel like I'm a good person and, you know, and yeah. so, yeah, I agree with you. I, it helps. Right. Yeah. It, but the thing I was thinking about this, Sam, is like, you know, we, we both have worked really hard. Yeah. Where we are, all of that, you know, the proper attitude, not that my attitude's been the best at times, but you know, when it counted, uh, and, and, but, there's a lot of people that have worked way harder than us, Sam. Yeah. Way more than we are. And yeah. They didn't, it didn't happen for them. Yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, yeah. it's not like, yeah, it's not one of those things that you could just sit there and give yourself a pat on the back for because, well, I did it and, and I deserve it. And if they deserved it, they would be here too. That's not always the case, is it? No. Yeah. I, I, just, I just think, I just think it should make, people when they do get it like appreciate it that much more and be that much more grateful that's you, you, all i don't mean to sound corny here man it's just no i mean it's just this this whole like life of mine <laughs> yeah it's wild man it's wild so yeah. it, it made me think about the nwo too because i feel like over the years uh because of how big dx got and was and is and evolved right and because of how successful like let's be honest like dx did come after the nwo but at the end of the day the founding members of dx are Shawn michaels and triple h and the winners get to tell the story of history right so dx has this forever spot it's also dx is a wwe creation and at the end of the day the wwe is the it was the winner of that whole situation um i think the click also has this huge spot in the story of wrestling especially in that era but the click also i think comes above the nwo when these stories have been told more recently and when history's told and the click i feel like gets connected to dx but not as much the nwo and in reality the nwo should absolutely needs to be in that conversation with everything i mean if any faction changed wrestling in the 90s that's the that it was it was the NWO, um, yeah. whole thing. Yeah, yeah, the whole, the whole everything. But like, like you, like you're talking about Sam. Is a lot of people they either don't know or they just don't know. Maybe they know or whatever, and they just don't see it this way. But the whole NWO, that all of it came from the click. DX, NWO, it all came from the click. So that's what I was saying on, on my podcast this week. When I was talking about the whole, like, the, the controversy that's been online about you being the fourth member of the NWO going into the Hall of Fame, and some people either think it should be well, somebody. I they wouldn't have put it that, I wish they wouldn't have put it that way, like the four original member, because, like, it took me a while to get there. Right. You know? It, and it, it, originally, it, 
it might have ended up I was the first person to show up. And then, you know, Scott and then Kevin. That's how it, it very well may have if, if I hadn't have missed my window of opportunity on my 90-day notice. So that's you know, the story like that. that, like, you had spoken... So what's the story, right? I mean, I, I know the kind of basics, and I know you covered it on your podcast too, but I feel like people don't really know. I mean, I feel like the sort of collective thinking is that Hall and Nash left, went to WCW, and then you followed suit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, and that's how it happened. But what, what happened, you know, is um, I was out here in L.A., and I met with Barry Bloom, the a, super agent, Barry Bloom, mm -hmm. talk about some movie roles, potential movie roles. And, you know, he brought up to me, you know, everything going on with WCW and, and Bischoff, you know, getting the power of the purse. And uh, we had never taught, we never thought about leaving. We never thought about leaving. We, we complained a lot about conditions and business being down and, you know, creative and all that. But, Never did we think about the actual leaving, you know, and Eric said that, and you know, I got on the phone with Scott, and that started the whole thing, just to make a long story short. Right. You were like, you know, this thing's going on over here, and the story that you told on your podcast was that you have 90 days to let, uh, at the time, you had 90 days to let the company know you weren't going to be renewing your contract, and if you didn't let them know in that time frame then your contract automatically rolled over. And that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and they knew I wanted to leave. So I was fucked. <laughs> yeah. I, like, like I was telling everyone, that's when, you know, Scott's leaving. He has the last pay-per-view <laughs> match leaving. And usually they put the guy over on the way out. Right. And he beat, he beat me and put me in a diaper. Right. That, yeah. His last yeah. match on pay-per-view was the diaper match. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the diaper and I'm the one staying. We'll get back to X-Pac in just a moment, but people ask me all the time. They go, Sam Roberts, last professional broadcaster, what is the best way that we can support Not Sam Wrestling? We know it's been something that you've been doing for years, something you've been doing for years completely independently. Regardless of your work with other companies, Not Sam Wrestling is something you do for us. No network, no bigger company, no nothing. You know who owns the rights to all this? Yours truly, the last professional broadcaster. How can we support such a DIY project? And I'll tell you how you can support it. It's a couple of ways. Of course, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Just before TLC, we did a TLC pre-show exclusive to the folks at Patreon. We do stuff like that all the time. But if you want to help support the podcast and you want to do it, on the arm, you want to do it without it costing you any money, there's a couple of ways you can do that. Number one, of course, tell your friends and subscribe to this podcast wherever you do, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's on iTunes, whether it's on SoundCloud. Subscribe to it, download it every week, give it a listen every week. You can leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. You can send in a question or comment to notsamwrestling at gmail.com. And of course, the thing you can do to really help me out right now as we expand the Not Sam Wrestling brand into its own brand new official and unique YouTube page, you can join us on YouTube. Subscribe to that new YouTube page. 
youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. There is new content going on to that YouTube page all the time. It is the exclusive home to every interview that you hear on Not Sam Wrestling. It is the exclusive home to hot take snippets that come out of this podcast, The State of Wrestling and Thursday, Not Sam Thursday every week. And it is the exclusive YouTube YouTube home to the complete audio of each and every Not Sam Wrestling podcast that we post. So go on youtube.com slash notsamwrestling, click the subscribe button right now, uh, and join us, huh? Watch the videos, have a good time. Let's get back to Sean Waltman, a.k.a. X-Pac. So at that point, at the point of the diaper match, did you know, obviously you know you're trying to leave because you know what's going on over in WCW. Did you know when? Okay, listen. Yeah. by By the time of the diaper match? Yeah. I knew I was stuck. I knew I oh. wasn't fucking going anywhere. <laughs> so so you're sitting there, and you're standing in the ring. Because I remember the visual. I remember like it was yesterday. I'm a little kid watching because I was a one, two, three kid fan. And I'm sitting there, and I'm you're, you're doing your best. You're crying. You got the diaper on. You're baby powdered. The whole thing has happened. In your head, are you going, oh, my God. I'm sitting here in a diaper with baby powder on. The company knows I want to leave, and all my friends are leaving. Yes, well, not all of them, Scott. You know, I Sean guess and Sean and Sean and Hunter were still there, but really, yeah. I mean, you don't know once once if you've got a five person group and two of them are leaving. Who knows what's going to happen there, right? At the time, I was just so like, oh, they're not using me good, and I wasn't getting paid. You know, mm-hmm. I was in the click, but you're not, you know. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm getting paid anymore. It's just right in the clip. Right. <laughs> yeah. You just get to. You just get. You get to throw up the hand gesture. That's it. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, that was that, and just, um, and at the time, man, I just assumed it was all their fault. Like they were just screwing me. You know, it had mm-hmm. nothing to do with me being fucked up all the time, or <laughs> yeah, you know, anything like that. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Or the fact that I if you had... figured if I went there, everything would be perfect. Right. That's all. Yeah. That was the only issue. It was just, don't worry. Everything that's going wrong now, it's somebody else's fault. Yeah. Yeah. No, but every, you know, I mean, I, I got healthy and then I went. Yeah. The, the thing is, is I, I made way more money when I got to WCW. So that was a life changer for me. Changed my life. Right. Because then when you go back to WWE, it's not like you're going back for one, two, three kid money. You're going back for the money that you're making now. Correct. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, you came in uh, as six, the sixth member of the NWO. Your name is six. You know, that's pretty clear. But to me, I was saying that I feel like anybody that was around watching that era, first of all, I think that the, one of the reasons why the NWO is not remembered, and they're remembered pretty strongly, but I still think that the NWO is a little bit undervalued in history. I think that part of that is because what a mess it became. Like you got out, you got out at the end of the day yeah. while the getting was good. Like you were only there for a year. You know, I think that the fact that DX always, at least to some level, stayed cool, and the NWO got so watered down and lame that people can't just separate that last part and just focus on. I mean, that first year of the NWO was like nothing else in wrestling. I remember sitting there as like a diehard 
WWE fan. That, I mean, I watched Nitro to see what was on maybe, but it was like WWE was my thing. And I still wasn't a WCW fan, but I was an NWO fan. Like I was just a fan of the right. NWO. And there's never been a faction like that that got so big for better or worse that it was, I mean, the NWO was bigger than WCW um, in that year. Sure. In that, in that year, maybe first year and a half before it got sort of muddled and messy. But, you know, I was talking on my podcast that I think a couple things cement for me, like there's no doubt in my mind that you're the, you are, when you're talking about the core members, not the f- order in which they join, but the core members of the NWO, I feel like if they wanted to put Hall Nash and Hogan in the Hall of Fame, just the three of them, I'm going, okay, you know, I get that, the Bash of the Beach trio, like, you know, makes sense. But if they're going to add a fourth member, I think that for several reasons, but like no matter what anybody says, the NWO was a representation of WWE invading WCW. I know that they try to say that it wasn't, but it definitely was. And you being there, I guess technically Ted DiBiase was coming from WWE and he was the fifth member, but he wasn't wrestling anymore. He was a manager, even though you guys didn't really need a manager like you were the next wrestler who came over from WWE, got in the ring. The fact that the NWO was a branch off of the Click, you're a Click member. Everybody knows Hall Nash, kid. Yep. Like that's a that's a thing. And we were the Wolfpack, right? In, in that NWO, we were the Wolfpack, right? Inside the NWO, right? And and I also think that people don't remember. And you brought this up, but I feel like the people on your on your show, maybe, I mean, I'm probably older than them, so they probably don't really remember. But that six-ball t-shirt was like the shirt. I had three NWO shirts. I had the original NWO shirt. I had the outsider shirt, the first one with the picture of, of Scott and Kevin on it. And then I bought another NWO logo shirt. And the only difference was the six-ball was on the back, but I had to have that one too. Yeah. Huh? It was the biggest selling shirt they had once it came out. I'm sure. I mean, I remember it was just close. And and I got to be honest, like, so I don't know if you remember after I got hurt and I'm out, like, you know, every week they did the big, every, all the NWO guys in the ring, yeah. and Hogan's talk and it's Scott's doing a survey, yada, yada. And like every week, Scott made everyone wear a six ball shirt and <laughs> That's awesome. or March or, or, or dream, you know, dusty, somebody shouting out to me every week, keeping me alive, keep my name alive. Every that's week. so cool. And that's just them doing it. That's just Scott yeah. going like, no, we're going to do this. I remember Scott used to wear the shirt backwards on TV. Oh yeah. He'd have the yeah. six ball in the front just so everybody knew. Tyson style it and then yeah, flip it around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. I mean, do you even realize at the time how big that is that Scott and Kevin were doing that type of stuff for you? I mean, I'm sure you can look back now as an older person and go like, oh, my God, the, how far out of their way they went to make sure that I was taken care of. Absolutely. Which made it when I ended up, like, because I was away for all, almost a year, you know, like 10, 11 months before I showed back up at, you know, mm-hmm. WWE. Yeah. Um, but you wouldn't have thought it because they were talking about me every week and, you know, shout me out every week. So I was still fresh on WCW TV in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in my mind's eye, 
I wouldn't have thought that you were off WCW for 10 months before you showed up on Raw. I would have said like two months, maybe. Yeah. And I'm sure that and, that's because you were you were present. Because, yeah, I mean, you, the NWO was cutting full group, full segment length promos on every single episode of Nitro, sometimes two or three times an episode. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, the live events, all the house shows. Yeah. You're not getting Hogan. You're not getting Mach. You're not getting DiBiase. You're not getting. You're getting Scott. You're getting Kev, and you're getting me. Yeah, we so were, you would get, you know, like maybe Buff or or Norton. Once they added those guys or whatever, but a lot, mostly those guys stayed in Japan. Right. You know, they were holding it down in Japan. They were a big deal over there. The NWO Japan. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, they need to be recognized for that too. I think they should. They were... I think they should. Yeah, and I remember. I mean, even like uh, it was funny because like I, when like Muta and like Chono would come over and be on Nitro, and they'd be representing NWO Japan. I'd be like, yeah, those guys are awesome too. Just because it was like, yeah, like I'm 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 down with NWO throughout the world. Um, and I I go to Os I go have a match in Osaka Dome. Yeah, and I team with NWO Sting. Uh-huh. And he's more over than I am. Because he's, <laughs> like getting over, you know, like as part of NWO Japan. That's awesome. You know? So so NWO Sting, all the times that he wasn't on WCW TV was just because they didn't even have Sting in Japan. So how could NWO Sting be that big of a deal? Because he was part of the NWO. That's it, I guess. That's that, that, that's it. You were also suck. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about too. This is the other thing that I brought up on my podcast was not only the, you know, the 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 foundation from WWE, the foundation from the Click, the T-shirt, but also when you think about like the actual wrestling part of the NWO, like there aren't that many spectacular matches from the NWO era. Like you know, I think generally, and we've talked about them. There wasn't a lot of, you know. Uh... Five star match having NWO members. We they were just big stars. Right, exactly. Exactly. But like you know, there were a cut like the Outsiders and the tag matches were always cool. But then WWE didn't have any tag teams, so it'd be like the Outsiders were the biggest stars in the world, and then they'd have like you know the the Meng and the Barbarian or whatever. And it's like you know, all due respect to Meng and the Barbarian, but they are doing what it is that they do. They're not doing five-star matches either but you brought in go ahead i had some i i got the feud i had a really cool feud with rick flair yes i mean it was so so good that was yeah i mean that's the same era when you I, guys did the horseman skit and you got to play rick flair like crying and yeah he wanted to kill me way before that <laughs> So you were, you you were legit getting under Flair's skin during that time. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told this story, but I'll, I'll tell you real quick. Like it was over the Slamboree six man with Kevin, with Green and Piper and and, and Flair, and you know they wanted maybe I, I maybe all of them, but at least Flair and Piper for sure, or or Flair protested me being in the match they wanted hogan in it it would have been a bigger deal but like the match wouldn't have been as good right you know and when i found that out it really pissed me off 
And I, you know, it lit a fire under my ass and it brought a lot out of me on the mic and, yeah, you know, and all that, you know, and some of the things I said and it was pretty disrespectful. And but that's part of slapped, it. You know, I slapped him in the face on TV. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen, you know. And don't slap that in the face. You know? Yeah, yeah, no. But I mean, so, that was also like, that was part of the thing. That was also the problem with WCW was that there was a whole section of the audience that at the time, they didn't want to see the guys that had been wrestling forever. They didn't want to see the legends. They didn't want to see like the established stars. They wanted to see these new edgy young guys. And like, you know, when you're in high school and you see somebody like you, who's, you know, got the long hair and the bandana and the sunglasses and looking cool and like slapping legends in the face and being disrespectful to Piper. It's like, you know, it's not nice, but it's cool. Yeah. You know? Yep. Especially at yep. the time, you know, it was not like the the mid to late nineties were not uh the youth of the mid to late nineties were not as uh kind as the youth is today. <laughs> brutal, right? Brutal. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> I think about that and I'm like, oh <laughs> But it was I what it was. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You were the poster boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you also, though, I mean, when you talk about, like, like actual wrestling, you know, the sold-out Eddie Guerrero ladder match was by far the best match on that pay-per-view. The matches you had with, like, Dean Malenko in the cruiserweight division. Like, the, you know, the, there was this other side of it where all of a sudden there was an NWO guy having great matches. And, and, and the cruiserweight division was important because, you know, the cruiserweight division – whether you know WCW was going to do anything with it or not, it had a lot of eyes on it. I mean, to this day, the stars are still talked about. And so the fact that somebody like you was able to hang in the main event with Ric Flair, but also be kind of flexible enough where you could exist in the cruiserweight division and have really good matches in the middle of a pay-per-view as well became a huge asset, I think, and like created a much more well-roundedness with what the NWO was. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll let you say that. I don't want to, you know, you know, say, I don't know if you've heard me say this before, but it's always better when somebody else toots your horn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to toot your horn. Toot their own. <laughs> so I just have always felt funny about that, but I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah. Good. That's, that's probably the smartest tack to take. Was there anybody, uh, who was your favorite opponent? in that era like who would you look at and see on the card and go like okay we're gonna have we're gonna have fun tonight or we're gonna have a good match tonight or whatever wow hmm, that's a good question it was weird because it wasn't it wasn't like okay we had a house we didn't have a lot of long house show runs mm -hmm. in w so we're it's not like we could get like a series of matches with the same people. But I had some good live event matches, some good house show matches with Dean Malenko, Flair. And, you know, like I worked with him in the Spectrum. So, like, uh, with Flair, even though you knew that he hated you in real life, like you knew, like, he, 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 was, he was pissed at you just for, for being there, you'd still go out there and, like, you'd still have great matches. Oh, yeah. oh my God! I it didn't matter, and I didn't like him either at the time. Uh huh. Um, and, but I loved 
the idea of being in there with the nature boy Ric Flair. It was sure. amazing. Sure. It, I, that's separate, man. Yeah. That's fucking nature boy. And he's the greatest of all time. And I'm in there with him. You know? That's so and, weird about that's so that's that's I feel like that's unique to wrestling. What'd you say? I'm calling the matches because he he he, he wouldn't be a baby babe. Like if I let him call the match, he he tur- he'd make himself the heel in the match. Wow. So like call it. Wow. That's nuts. And it really is unique to wrestling too, where like you're having trouble personally with somebody as you know, that human being. But then when it comes to getting in the like like the 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 icon that is Ric Flair really doesn't interfere with the person that is Ric Flair. You know what I mean? Tell you why he trusted me because I always had really good ideas to make him look good. And when he heard them, it was hard to argue with them. Right. Like, like he'd be, he'd be him up, man. The reaction is that's Ric Flair, man. They love him so much out there. It's so easy to build a match around Rick. Right. He just got to do it. But that's interesting, you know, though. Like, as much as they love him, at the time, Ric Flair would just go back to the kind of uh, 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 conventions of trying to get them to boo him. Yes. Just out of habit. Yeah, and of course. Just, yeah. Yeah. Because he did it for so long. Uh, God's truth with, with Nate. Have you, have you thought... Like anyone that has worked with them uh-huh. in, in that capacity with Tim, the baby face and, and they're the heel that will tell you the same thing. Were you, was there any time working with him that you were like maybe in the beginning, were you nervous about calling the match with Rick or did you have enough confidence in yourself as a performer that even Ric Flair oh, yeah. wasn't going to intimidate you? I was confident when yeah. I got there, I was really confident when you're like, when you were on the grind, like we were up there, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no problems whatsoever throwing my ideas out there, like saying this is how it needs to be done at all. That's good, and that's—I'm sure—that's the only way to succeed too. If you're sitting there like you know timid, it's not going to work out, is it? Yeah, I was very confident and and, and sure of myself when I threw things out there, idea-wise, and, and you know most of the time it seemed like the better idea. Have you thought at all? I'm not just talking about with Nate. I'm just of course. About yeah. You know. Have you thought at all about what it would actually look like to have every living member of the NWO on stage at the Hall of Fame? Because I'm sitting there like thinking about like if they just were like, screw it, let's let everybody get on stage. NWO, Wolfpack, LWO, NWO Silver, WWE NWO, just throw everybody on stage. Maybe not everybody gets a ring, but everybody right. gets to at least be on stage in that moment. Like, I think it would be great if you four are on stage, you do your little speeches. First of all, I hope that, you know, Scott, I almost feel bad for Scott because he probably has, I think he definitely has, the best Hall of Fame speech of all time. Right. And so the fact that he has to give another one now is like, well, what do you want? What are you talking? It was perfect. Why would you make me mess with that? But have you at all thought about, like, you all do your thing and then at the very end go, like, give it up for the NWO. And I mean, everybody comes out. Jeff Jarrett comes out and Scott Norton comes out and Nick Patrick comes out. Everybody comes out. That's not a bad idea at all. I think it'd be awesome. 
Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if it's going to happen, but, um, you know, I definitely at least um, thought it would be right to, you know, mention some of the names of the people that, you know, that really helped make, you know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of those guys, everyone that put on a shirt contributed. Yeah. The convolutions it all got watered down. They still contributed, man. And it's a part of history. I mean, it's all, it's, you can't just pick and choose with history. It's a part of history. And it's like, uh, when is, when, you know, all due respect, when is NWO Sting going to get to have a platform like that? When is, I mean, even Scott Norton, like as much as he's incredible, he's not getting into the WWE Hall of Fame. Like what, I'm sure every single person would love just to have that one moment where they can just stand there and feel the energy one more time. Yeah. I think it'd be, yeah. I think it'd be great. Have you? Th- I, I was just thinking like, and I, and here I get two, two. Uh... <laughs> it goes back to where we started, right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you thought at all about, because uh, I remember we were talking after last year's Hall of Fame. I was just thinking because the, the main reason that, you know, I heard, I heard they were inducted on WO and, so I just said I I forgot a few names last year. Yeah. And people want to thank, and if they could just shoehorn me into this year's ceremony, I could thank the people <laughs> I forgot to last year. Yeah, I mean, what's the strategy here? Are we gonna thank the people that you forgot? Are you gonna rethank some people? Is it gonna be a thing where you're primarily thanking people in the context of the NWO? Yeah. That's what you think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the people I forgot, you know, like Kane and different, you know, a couple people. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, mainly like about some of the people that, you know, made that work, like Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. Book. You know, he booked as strong as fuck, uh, uh, Sam. I mean, yeah, he did. I don't, I don't think, I don't think any group's ever been booked stronger than the NWO. And it needed to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's why it worked at the end of the day. Yeah, and and also like a, um, a like no one thinks about this, mm-hmm. but like all that energy and that attitude and all that we brought on camera with us and projected, we all we got that from hip hop. We got okay. that from West Side Connection. Go listen to rest West Side Connection album right now. When you get off of this, uh, listening to this or watching this. You'll see where we got a lot of that stuff from. I'm glad that you brought up the hip hop connection because that was also a thing, like, especially as more people started joining and, and like, I feel like Scott Hall would slip in hip hop references constantly. You would, Conan would, like, all nothing but hip hop references, which wasn't, that, that wasn't happening in wrestling. But something that I literally just found out this week from listening to your podcast was I was positive that Six Pac was from Tupac and that, you know, Conan had thought of it. When I found out that it was a, a Hogan nickname, that Hogan had gave you the nickname based on Six Pack, like a six pack of beer, I was like, what? No way. But once you hear the story, you can go, okay, yeah, I see that. I mean, it makes total sense. Like, once you say it, I'm like, yeah, I guess so. But you just had, you all had the intelligence to spell it P-A-C. Like, <laughs> and just yeah, turn it all, into that. Rather quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
Hey, was was the name six? Obviously the sixth member. But it was the fact that it was one plus two plus three, was that ever actually a part of it? Or was that something that later it's just convenient that one plus two plus three was six? I think it had something to do with it. Because I, I think Eric might have like thought about about it with you know, uh, like numerology. Hmm. Yeah. You know, um, but it seemed like that was a, a, it just as big a part um, as, you know, sixth member, because obviously I wasn't really the sixth member, was I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I guess that it's all, yeah, it's all intentional, right? Like six was just yeah. an important part of where you were at. Um, do you think... I would think that now, right, I when you look at who's in the Hall of Fame, I think that it's pretty easy to make the case that the one, two, three kid is a Hall of Famer, right? Like, I mean, you know, they, they've, they've let a lot of people in on various different levels, and I think that that's important, too. To the, you yeah. can't just let, you know, the guy in the main event in every year, and that's who's in the Hall of Fame. Like, it's like the one, two, three kid, number one, I think was a pretty – impactful character in general but number two i feel like the one two three kid really introduced the idea of cruiserweights to wwe as a credible as credible offense like you having any offense whatsoever you, you know at all in the in the beginning of what you were doing was new to wwe and i feel like i feel like it, it i just feel like it had a big impact and anybody that watched wrestling from 93 to 95 remembers one, two, three kid. Um, Do you feel like that's in the cards? Is it something that you even think about at this point? Like what, what would you do if you were like, I'm going in for a third time? You know how they do that legacy inductions? Yeah. Yeah. Where they just have a bunch of people and they throw it. Like if they really want to do that, like do it that way. Like, I don't want, like I've had enough of me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just throw you on the Tron, you know, do it in between two other speeches and move on. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I mean, because then I was thinking, I was like, well, yeah, obviously if there was gonna be a solo induction, it would have to be one, two, three kid, but then I was like, well, technically there was X Factor era X Pac. But I feel like DX took care of X-Pac, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, we're good on that. <laughs> hey, so you know that style you're talking about? Like, that's yeah. the main event style. That's their main style they work there now. Absolutely. Like, that's the heavyweight style now. And, and, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, not only is it their heavyweight style, but I swear when I saw you as the one, two, three kid, and I would, like, talk to my friends about it the next day, like, oh, you got to watch Raw. This guy beat Razor Ramon. I was like, he probably was like skinnier than you, and he like probably weighed like a hundred and ten pounds, and he was probably like this small. But you were bigger than half the guys on the roster now back then, right? I was like two hundred five or two ten. <laughs> yeah, I had baby fat, like a chubby face, and <laughs> yeah, man, bloaty water bloat. <laughs> so funny. Well, look, man. Uh, I'm happy for you. I think it's amazing. I just think it's a great part of the story. Um, I don't know if you're going to be able to beat entering into the Hall of Fame on a tank, but I, I love that, like, 
it just works out so well that you were able to be an impactful part of wrestling history with two groups of your best friends. You get to go in with two of your best friends the first year and the other two of your best friends the next year because this is what you did. Um, I just think it's I, I think it's so cool, I, and I'm I'm happy for you. Yeah, it's um, yeah, Sam. You know, talk about like my life and all that, uh, and and the things that have happened, but like the things that are currently happening now in my life are amazing too, right? Like this stuff and just like I'm like happy. My kid, I have a great relationship with my kid. Yes. You know, I have a great relationship with my my lady, uh, and uh, you know all of that. So yeah, yeah man. And you get to bring your kid now two years in a row to see you get inducted. It's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. It's awesome. Right, well, I can't wait to see you there, man. I really appreciate you making the time. Um, I know you got a lot going on. So uh, this was great, man. I'm gonna. I'm about to go have a two-pound Maine lobster pot pie. Oh, my. <laughs> you already know your order and everything, huh? <laughs> 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 well, you go enjoy that man. Live the high life. I mean, you're you're you from now until you not only get to. I feel like you know you get to be a Hall of Famer for a year, and then when the next class comes in, it's like people are talking about that class. But now you get extended another year, so you get to be the hey, man, man even longer. Quick. Yeah, real quick. I, like I don't mean to like go backwards, but like I do understand like a lot of people won't like that should be going into WWE Hall, or into the Hall of Fame, you know, will we'll never end up. Like, there's just so many people. And here I am two years in a row. And, like, you know, I don't take that for granted. And I understand, like, wow, some people might roll their eyes at that. Like, mm -hmm. I, I get it, you know. Yeah. I am getting my ring, however. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not gonna turn it down. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you can, you can do it all that. Right, you can understand some of the uh, the, the you can understand the criticism, but who among yeah. us would take that phone call and go, you know what? No thanks, not for me. I, nobody, it's not gonna happen. If if they give you five rings, take all hey. five rings. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank all you. Right, it's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Yeah, it is time for it. State of Wrestling time. The American Dragon is back. How amazing is it? I don't know, and, and hopefully this is my strategy, that if you grow your facial hair for a decade, if you grow your facial hair, and I guess the head on your hair too, but if you just grow your hair for 10 years, when you shave it all off, you will find that no aging has taken place. Somebody has already, and people on the internet are brilliant, somebody has already done the 10-year challenge with Daniel Bryan based on the picture of him returning tonight at uh, uh, TLC, and he looks exactly the same as he did in 2009. It's incredible. Go back, look at the footage of him when he was just starting to grow that beard out, when he was... Uh, uh, romancing AJ Lee on camera. He looks exactly the same. It, lo it looks like <coughs> it looks like WWE just signed the American Dragon from Ring of Honor. It is incredible. I can only hope that facial hair has that effect on everybody. 
Although it's aging me listening to Booker T shill his beard cream on uh, those kickoff shows every time. I, they have not put me back on a panel since Booker T started uh, uh, announcing his promo code in the introduction. But I will have something to say about that when they finally let me back to sit at that desk with that man, sir. Promo code? Really? <laughs> well, welcome to the state of wrestling. Uh, this is all about all the wrestling that uh, has gone down in the last few days. By the way, how much fun was it talking with Xbox? What a conversation. I am so lucky to be able to have those types of conversations and so lucky to be able to share them with you. Definitely let me know what you thought of that one. So, I guess we'll start with the most recent. I guess we'll start with TLC. Um, it kind of was what it was. You know, I was surprised by some of the results. It was a little underwhelming. You know, I wasn't disgusted by it. I wouldn't even say I was disappointed by it. But I also wasn't like, oh my God, that was fantastic. I was like, okay, you know, I'm ready to drift into the holidays now, I guess. Royal Rumble's going to be fire. You know what I mean? That type of thing. Um, so I guess the positives, the high notes, and the not-so-high notes. Um, I thought the, no surprise, I thought the Bray Wyatt segment was great. Um, again, not a, the greatest match in the world, but I love uh, the psychology that Bray Wyatt uses, the transition of the character within the match as it's going. With The Miz, I thought was great. Man, The Miz comes off looking like a punk. I mean, I don't understand this guy. Okay, so I'm going to have my wife harassed. I'm going to have somebody messing with my child. The, 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 my, the fruits of my loin. Is that what it's called? It's not the fruits of my loom. Fruits of my loin? The things that come from my loins. My child is going to be messed with. By a monster. And I'm going to get to go toe-to-toe with that monster. And that monster is going to kick the stuffing out of me. I mean, you know, I believe it. Based on what we've seen from The Miz in 2019. Not a banner year. What a way to end 2019 for The Miz. Um, I would say uh, the best ma- the best match on the show might have been Aleister Black versus Buddy Murphy. I, the match was great. Both guys came across looking good. That close-up of Aleister Black at the end of that match, when he's just, like, staring down the barrel of that camera, and they go for the zoom-in, and 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 he's got blood coming from his nose and everything. I thought that was super cool. Uh, what else was good? Uh, you had... Uh, I was surprised uh, that Baron Corbin beat Roman Reigns. Kind of surprised that they're continuing on with that story. You know, because... Although, you know, here's what you have to keep in mind. How about this? Regardless of what it said on John Cena's Instagram, here's a headline. No John Cena at TLC. Put it in your calendars, boys and girls. 2019, the first year in God knows how many years that John Cena was not at and did not have a, I should say, did not have a match at a WWE pay-per-view. Now, he Instagrammed something, and we talked about it. We did a a kickoff show, a pre-show, I should say. We did a pre-show to TLC earlier this afternoon, or Sunday afternoon, exclusively for the people over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. So if you're on patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, you got to see and or hear 
that pre-show, and it's still up if you missed it and you want to, you know, go back to what was what what were our minds like before we saw this pay-per-view? You know, that show is up forever. Um, John Cena has wrestled at least one pay-per-view match every year since two thousand two. John Cena broke his seventeen-year streak with twenty nineteen. Now. Maybe when he Instagrammed out, you know, maintain the streak or whatever he Instagrammed out, he considers his WrestleMania appearance still a pay-per-view appearance. Maybe that's what we, maybe we need to redefine the John Cena streak of having matches at pay-per-views and consider him pay-per-view appearances. Because technically, if he doesn't appear at a pay-per-view next year, if he's not at WrestleMania this year and doesn't appear at a pay-per-view then I would say it's like, whoa, John Cena just broke an 18-year streak. The streak of John Cena appearing at pay-per-views is still alive. It's just the streak of technically having matches. I think this is a technicality. I don't think that John Cena's streak is broken. I think because he was at WrestleMania and part of a segment with Elias as the doctor of thugonomics, I think that that counts. So everybody worried about John Cena's streak, don't worry. I think it's maintained because, again, if he doesn't appear at a pay-per-view in 2020, then it's not like we go, oh, well, he didn't appear at a pay-per-view last year. Yes, he did. He appeared at WrestleMania. Oh, well, technically, now we're getting into technicalities. WrestleMania counts as far as I'm concerned. Um, So, yeah, uh, the Revival, all the bad guys came in and helped Baron Corbin beat Roman Reigns. It seems like they're starting a royal family around Baron Corbin, except it's with the other bad guys. It's with Dolph Ziggler and the Revival, which, is, you know, feels a little cookie-cutter to me. But I love the Revival. Ziggler's good. Corbin is the freaking man. It's like my favorite wrestler. So, you know, there's something to it. I'm just surprised that they're continuing on with the Roman storyline, to tell you the truth. Um... We talked about it. I wasn't shocked that the OC answered the Viking Raiders challenge. Um, And the fact that it ended in a double countout was almost just like, I didn't even count as a match. But it was weird because the pay-per-view ended at 10-15. You know, and it's interesting because people go like, oh, the pay-per-view ended at 10-15 on the East Coast. It was a short pay-per-view. It started at 7. So we've now got pay-per-views going 3 hours and 15 minutes and going, oh, that was short. And that's, you know, that's because WWE conditioned us that pay-per-views would last a certain amount of time. Um, But, yeah, so it felt short. But in reality, let's keep in mind, they're starting at 7 p.m. 6 p.m. with the kickoff show. So it's still a long night. Uh, Yeah, and ending in the double countout again. It was just, it feels like, you know, just the start of something. So it was what it was. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't consider this the OC's tag team title match. Again, it would have been cool. We talked about it on the pre-show that we did for Patreon. It would have been cool to see the OC win the tag titles and then they have all the gold, but they didn't, so we won't. So it is what it is. I like the Viking Raiders. Uh, I thought the the New Day revival ladder match was really great. You know, I thought, yeah, Kofi was at his best. Uh, I was glad they gave it the amount of time that they did. I thought that was a very good match. And I thought that uh, the women's match, personally, I think that the Bray Wyatt-Miz match should have closed that show 
I think The Fiend is the hottest thing on television right now. Or, you know, if you're going to end with a Roman Reigns melee, just do the Roman Reigns match last. And then do the melee immediately. Like Jerry Lawler going, they've been fighting for a half an hour. Like, when he says that, you go, nobody fights for a half an hour. What do you mean? So you mean to tell me that Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin just destroyed each other in a TLC match? And then for the entire length of the Women's Tag Team Championship TLC match, for the entire length, Roman and Baron and the bad guys and the good guys were all brawling for the whole time. They were just brawling. I mean, what kind of security is in that building where for a half an hour they can't stop these guys from fighting? Go home. Your match is over. You don't need to be here anymore. Go home. Yeah, if you're going to end in a Roman melee, I don't know why why uh, why you don't end with the Roman match if that's what you want to do. But, you know, whatever. I would have ended with the uh, Bray Wyatt match and have the last shot of the night be a new, freshly shorn Daniel Bryan staring down because The Fiend is the hottest thing on TV. You've got your moment with The Fiend. Fiend showed up on the Titantron, which was cool. You got your Bray Wyatt moment. Everybody loves Daniel Bryan. Everybody's interested in what's happening with the Daniel Bryan Bray Wyatt story. That's a story that people are going to tune into SmackDown to see what happens next. I think that people are intrigued by Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt. So why not end on that? And I guess it's easy 2020 uh, being uh, the key, 2020 being what it is. We can all say that, but we kind of learned this at Survivor Series. You know, I, I don't think I was in favor of Charlotte and Becky and the Kabuki Warriors, but there were a lot of people out there that aren't necessarily in favor of that and aren't even in favor of Becky and Charlotte uh, being in the position that they're in. You know, for the Kabuki Warriors to win that match, I expected a little bit more tension between Becky and Charlotte to kind of excuse the loss. Um, yeah, and you know, and it felt, honestly, it felt, the match felt a little bit long to me. It was good. They were killing themselves, killing themselves. And you almost feel bad criticizing anything that those women are fighting so hard. I think Cardi Sane just showcased herself tonight. I mean, I think she, you're, you're looking right now at Charlotte and Asuka, two of the best women wrestlers on the planet. You're looking at Becky Lynch, the biggest female wrestling star on the planet. And then you're looking at Sane, who she was in NXT and wasn't beating Shayna Baszler before she came to the main roster. You know what I mean? She's not a household name. She's not a big star like Becky Lynch. And she hasn't worked on the level in WWE of an Asuka or a Charlotte. And I thought she completely stepped up to the plate. And and I, I would imagine, I was already a believer, but I would imagine made a believer out of a lot of people that may not have been believers before. However, I think if that match had been five to ten minutes shorter and it happened halfway through the show instead of in the main event, I think it would have been received universally positive. And I think you certainly would not have had the reaction that you had from the audience tonight, which was quiet. And you could blame Minnesota for it. But now two pay-per-views in a row. We're blaming Chicago for being quiet during the women's triple threat. 
in Survivor Series, and we're blaming Minnesota for being quiet in the women's TLC. And I don't think it necessarily has to do with women either. You know what I mean? Like, Becky Lynch was in both matches. Maybe it's a Becky Lynch thing. Maybe it's just the fact that the some of the stories are not quite there. Maybe it's in the way the matches are laid out. Again, if you would put that match not last and made it slightly shorter, I think everybody in the world would have been... I think, I think it still could have stolen the show. I don't think it did steal the show. I think it could have stolen the show had it been in a position to win a little bit more. Um, that said, they all just crushed it. All four of them completely crushed it, left everything out there, and I mean tore each other. I can't imagine how they're feeling now. I can't imagine how they're going to feel going forward. I can't believe that after that TLC match, they're going to wrestle again the next night, tonight, on Monday Night Raw. It's insane to me. Insane elbow drop to me. Um, But yeah, so you know, Oh, and the uh, Rusev Bobby Lashley match. I was uh, I was surprised that Lashley won, kind of as easily as he did. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know where Rusev goes after this. You know, Bobby Lashley clearly won that match, so you know, I uh, I, I don't I don't know that that. Rusev sits there and goes like, well, I want another match. It's almost like, let it go, dude. You divorced her. She's hanging out with Lashley now. You don't even like her anymore. And Lashley put you through a table in a tables match. I don't know what argument you have anymore. Rusev, let it go. Go talk about Rusev Day with somebody else. Understand that your wife, ex-wife, and Bobby Lashley are an item. They might be obnoxious to you. Let it go. It's done nothing for your career. It's done nothing for your personal life, and it's done nothing for your fan base. I think Rusev has to move on after this show. Hopefully he will, but he probably will not. Let's talk about uh, so let's talk about the shows that happened this week. Um, I thought so. Aside from TLC on Friday, you had SmackDown, which again, oh my god, and we haven't spoken since SmackDown, dude. Bray Wyatt and The Miz and the, being inside The Miz's house and there being a little fiend doll in The Miz's kid's crib and Marie sees it on the baby cam. and all, I, Amazing. Amazing. I loved. By the way, I was very jealous of the people who got to eat KFC at ringside tonight. That's something that I would love to do at a pay-per-view. But, but, I mean... I thought it was such good TV. The Bray Wyatt breaking into Miz's house, theoretically, to leave. Like, when he when they looked at the cam and all the little characters from the Firefly Funhouse are in Monroe's crib. And Monroe, like, for a toddler that she is, she's incredible. When they're picking her up and she's, like, pointing at the crib, like, oh, look over there. And they look and that's where they find the fiend doll. I don't know how you get this little kid to do this stuff. But she's awesome. Props to her. I thought that was, she was good. I thought the whole thing was really, really spectacular. You know, I thought it was great. Front Row is saying in the Discord room right now, I heard Monroe Mizana starts at the PC next week. She should. She's a naturally gifted performer. She's incredible. She might be the best Mizanin of all. Uh, so, I th- yeah, I thought that was great. But 
uh, at the same time as SmackDown, we had uh, uh, Ring of Honor Final Battle. And then on Saturday, you had NWA Into the Fire. And then you had the CZW Cage of Death show. I watched uh, at least parts of all three of the shows on the Fight TV app. The Fight TV app is so good for, like, just trying to catch all these wrestling shows. It's so difficult. But when you've got an app, and I can just kind of scroll through it throughout the weekend, like, oh, like, if I can watch it live, I can. But if I either forget it or I just don't have time, I can get home. You know, it's 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. The kids are in bed. My wife falls asleep. I'm not going to bed yet. I could just pick up my app and start scrolling through and be like, oh, yeah, there was the Cage of Death this weekend. There was Into the Fire this weekend. Like, oh, Final Battle. Like, oh, I didn't see this match. It's it's awesome. I love be living in the future. Um, but, you know, so I was looking at, like, Ring of Honor, for example. I think this is a conversation for Ring of Honor and CZW. So Ring of Honor, they switched a lot of their titles and they put uh, PCO, the former Quebecer Pierre, PCO is not human, they put the title on him. I'm good with that. I think PCO is a great character. I've been intrigued for the last, I don't know, year or two, however long he's been doing the indies as this new PCO is not human character. I've been on board. I think it's great. I love that he, him and Destro put out the like YouTube videos where they just have him basically do things that would kill a normal man but not pco it's i'm 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 here for it and to watch a 52 year old man doing moonsaults onto tables and whatnot it's just a freak show and i love it i think it's great i love the character i i think it's perfect it's like nothing else that's going on in wrestling and that's always a good thing um but they did this thing right pco wins the ring of honor championship and they start telling this story of like, like as if PCO has achieved his destiny. Who would have thought at 52 years old, this man comes back and blah, blah, blah. And you're telling this hopeful, nice, great story of a man, right? When earlier in the match, you were trying to convince me PCO is not human. I don't think that it makes sense to play on somebody's heartstrings to support somebody who is trying to be like a freak of nature monster type person. And not that PCO is supposed to be a villain, but just to be like, I don't think you should ever mention PCO's age. I don't think you should mention any of it. Just be like, PCO, of all the people, in Ring of Honor history, we look at this man for the first time ever we have a man who's champion, and he's not even human. If there was any doubt that PCO was not human, tonight the doubters have been silenced. As this man has gone through destruction, carnage, and mayhem to stand up the Ring of Honor champion. Like, tell that story, right? Tell the story of this guy who's just gone through. And, you know, I thought, it's like little things. Like, they did went to all this effort to have the... Uh, hearse there that was like steaming but then it was shot like weird like it wasn't shot below so that the hearse looked big or you could kind of see like with the with the suplex overhead you could it like it was shot in in a not flattering way and I'm like if you're gonna go to all the trouble like don't go halfway let's go all the way you know um I think in the production elements and the storytelling there's still a lot Ring of Honor can be doing. I think, you know, 
CZW has all this brand equity. They've been around for 20 years. They've got brand equity, and now they've got stars that have come from CZW. You've got John Moxley. You've got all these people. Even MJF came from CZW. Leo Rush came from CZW. Joey Janela, and that's just the recent ones. There's lots of mainstream guys that have come from CZW, but it never gets brought up because of CZW's kind of brand, right? And, you know, I think that you need to have the deathmatch stuff, right? You need to have your cage of death. You need to have the deathmatch tournament out in Delaware. You need to have that stuff to really satisfy the hardcore fans and to differentiate yourself. But what's not going on are stories that you're that make it so that your small but loyal audience is desperate to see two guys kill each other in a death match. If we're going to have a death match, make me believe that there is a reason for being. Make me believe that they need to have this death match. You know, I was looking and I was watching some of CZW live and a lot of the fans were disappointed. A lot of the fans were not were like this is not a good show. And man, this is just a lesson for promotions, I think. There is so there are so many eyes on wrestling right now. There is so much opportunity for wrestling right now. You know, with stuff like the Fight TV app, with stuff like the fact that you can get Ring of Honor on pay-per-view, and the fact that like WWE and AEW are both forcing the conversation. And there's more wrestling podcasts than ever, all forcing this conversation. So that even if there aren't stars in wrestling that are as big as, say, Stone Cold or The Rock, the notion of professional wrestling is probably as big as it's ever been. And there are so many avenues for content, more wrestling fans than ever have become okay with the idea of just consuming wrestling 24 hours a day, that being their interest. And I love that. Trust me. I mean, the amount of wrestling I consume is crazy, and I'm so happy that I can. But I feel like there are promotions that take the eyes and the ability for granted. I mean... With the amount of exposure that wrestling in general just has and the buzz that you can build on the internet with wrestling, I think in 2019 and 2020, there is no excuse to not try to do things on shows that are going to get a buzz. I think all promotions, all wrestling promotions, no matter how small they are, should be doing everything in their power to tell stories and show spectacular feats that are going to make people talk in a positive way. When you got something that people are using, like the Fight app, right? Because let's say they liked uh, the NWA pay-per-view. So they've got the app. If you can create a buzz that's big enough that makes me go like, yeah, I'd spend 20 bucks to see this CZW thing that everybody's talking about. Now you can actually pay off. It's one thing when it's like, yeah, everybody's talking. I got to get so many people talking that they'll go to my website and they'll buy a VHS tape and they'll go home and they'll watch it and they'll buy the next one and they'll tell their friend and blah, blah, blah. Now it's just like you have to get people talking to the point that they'll actually buy the show on an app. 
And people will buy shows that are old. People will buy shows that have already aired. Especially if it's 20, 25 bucks and they already have the app. Like why not go out of your way to create content that feels can't miss, at least to your audience? I don't know, man. I just, I, I feel like there now more than ever, there is no excuse to not put everything in to what you're doing. And that goes for promoters, that goes for wrestlers, that goes for people doing promos, that goes for broadcasters, that goes for commentators, everybody, everybody, announcer, everybody needs to go out there and say, we, there is the potential to get the whole world to look at this. Because with everything, there is. Everything nowadays, you have the potential to have the whole world look at you. So why not go out of your way to try to create something that the whole world might want to look at? Why not at least try to create something that's going to make the world talk? And it's not enough to sit there and go, well, PCO is our champion. That's going to make the world talk. Like, no. In the presentation, like, oh, my God, this is outside of the box. This, 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 it just looks so cool. There's just something about it that you got to see. Like, that should be every show. I think that NWA Into the Fire, as far as independent shows this weekend, got a bigger buzz than anybody because the matches were good at NWA Into the Fire because it looks different. It's studio wrestling. It feels like studio wrestling, but you're taking it seriously. I thought, you know, when, when we were talking to Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana on the podcast a couple weeks ago, they talked about how the TV studio would be altered for the pay-per-view. The pay-per-view was still going to happen in the TV studio, but they were going to alter it so that it didn't look like the TV show. And it worked. Coming down from the crowd and everything, I thought the whole thing worked. I thought Stu Bennett was great. You know, obviously, the biggest non-WWE story of the weekend was Marty Skrull showing up at NWA Into the Fire, which I thought was just brilliant for everybody. I think that because... He hasn't been shown in the greatest light in the world in Ring of Honor in the last since since AEW started. You know, Ring of Honor has not utilized the fact that they have Marty Skrull signed for as long as they have Marty Skrull signed. So I think that he could use a trip somewhere else before he goes to either WWE or NXT or AEW. I think that this trip to the NWA. Because of the way the NWA does business, it can probably be short-lived, but he can do some amazing stuff. He can get onto a show that's going to do 200, 250,000 views on YouTube. He can cut a promo that, you know, he can put out on social media and the whole world's going to see it. He can have a match with Aldis at some point that everybody is, remembers, oh, this is why we thought there was so much potential with Marty Skrull. Look, man, I really hope that dude ends up in NXT. I am a big Marty Skrull fan. We'll see where he goes. But the fact that he's in NWA right now, I think is so cool. I think it's really good for NWA. And I think it's uh, really cool for uh, Marty Skrull too. I think it's I think it's the best for everybody. I, you know, I don't think it would be crazy for Marty Skrull to spend a couple months going and kind of uh, rebuilding and cementing his reputation as a main event caliber guy, I think it would be uh, probably pretty good for him. All right, folks, 
I appreciate you guys hanging in there. Don't forget, go to youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. If you haven't already, please subscribe to youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. You can also uh, always send in questions to notsamwrestling at gmail.com. You can also send them via Patreon if you're a notsamshill at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Joey on Patreon, he writes... Uh, you mentioned the boys a few episodes back. I'm wondering how you would book a Velveteen Dream versus Dalton Castle, who's the manliest man, or should I say glamliest. Uh, tuss, tuss, say hi to Chip for me. I don't want to hear about Chip on this podcast. It's my one escape. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a Velveteen Dream, uh, Dalton Castle match, would, especially in NXT, would be very well done. Um but you know, I think I think yeah, you know, Velveteen Dream coming in and saying, you know, you're some half-rate Velveteen Dream wannabe like you, Dalton Castle, and it, I mean, it would almost be like Dalton Castle taking on uh, uh, Cleopatra the Desert, or what was what was that? You know, it'd be like Freddie Mercury, '70s Freddie Mercury, not '80s mustache. I'm talking about 70s era Freddie Mercury. I think it would be like Freddie Mercury versus Prince to do Dalton Castle versus Velveteen Dream. I think it could be really cool. Really, really cool. All right, guys. I appreciate you hanging out. We will see you next time on Thursday. Thursday is when we'll see you again for an episode of Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.